This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 427. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Graybeard, Matthew Marister. Uh, Graybeard, actual, I know, I know, just, I'm the, I'm the quasi-secondary, I don't know, I'm, yeah, that's me. Well, you, you could be the other Graybeard actual in that, I yeah. think, doesn't he spell it with an E in the word gray, Graybeard? You could be Graybeard with an A. Yeah, and Which is, uh, I'm wondering what is the difference between that. You know, I'm always when I'm writing, I'm always like, should I use the E or the A? I sure. think A, especially when you're talking about the color, is like the technically correct spelling. Technically, yeah. like English language, right? I, th- I think there's a little bit of this whole there's there's in- English, British English, right? American mm-hmm. English, Canadian, Australian, and like that, it just confuses everybody. Yeah, if I start using <laughs> OU in color. You can kick me out, man. Color. Yeah. Or shoppy. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So, guys, hey, today we're, we're thrilled to be with you and bring another episode to you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be home. I, I spent a couple days on the road traveling out to Ohio. Not Ohio. <laughs> I wish. It's kind of like Ohio, just not quite as cool as Ohio because, <laughs> you know, Graybeard's in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was out to Iowa for a uh, red dot pistol course with Scott Jedlinski from Modern Samurai Project. Uh, I did a whole shop talk yesterday, kind of debriefing on that. So you guys, you you can go watch the shop talk if you'd like to learn about uh, what I learned from that two-day red dot course, which was a substantial amount, more than I expected. I'll be honest. I learned a ton. had a great time. It was warm. It was especially humid, which I am not accustomed to. Matthew could tell you. Remember that class we taught in Cincinnati, bro? Never forget, man. Oh, man. What was that, like 95 plus degrees for three days? And in the shade. 95% humidity. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a humidity guy. So anyway, uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about reloads on a pistol. Uh, tips, techniques, that kind of stuff. We're going to tie this in with this month's Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, which if you're not familiar with, you should go check out ShooterReadyChallenge.com in partnership with LaserApp.com. Our boys over at LASR, the Laser Activated Shot Reporter software. And of course, they have the classic Laser app and they have the new, the newer Laser X version of the app, which works with any device that's internet connected. And I'm a big fan and I use it and... Uh, we actually do this monthly challenge, Shooter Ready Challenge, where each month we release basically a drill to go work on. And anybody that participates in that for that month, you're going to be automatically entered into the chance to win free stuff. You'll you'll win, uh, well, 200 rounds of live ammunition from mosupplywarehouse.com. So that's always great. But... Uh, uh, Aren't we also giving winners uh, access to Laser X as well? I can't remember. I, I might be wrong on that. Of course, they may already be paying for Laser X, right? So, mm-hmm. so right. you know, unless they're a monthly member, then they get a f- another free a month. Like, well, that that's cool. But anyway, guys, the, kind of the idea with this was to inspire people to do more dry fire practice. 
but also to tie it into, okay, let's take what we do in dry fire and let's take it to the range. And so the fun way of making that tie in, you know, from like a incentive standpoint is free ammo and everybody loves free ammo and ammo is not cheap right now and sometimes hard to find. Mm. So 200 rounds free ammo from ammosupplywarehouse.com just by participating in the monthly shooter ready challenge sponsors of the shooter ready challenge and of the podcast today are laserapp.com makers of the fine laser app and next level training makers of the fine cert pistol uh the shot indicating resetting trigger training pistol <laughs> it's a mouthful right it's funny we have two two products two companies that like their their golden goose is laser lasr laser activated shot reporter and cert shot indicating resetting trigger <laughs> love the acronyms <laughs> Uh, guys, check out uh, laserapp.com and check out nextleveltrain.com for your next cert pistol purchase. There's also a lot of other great products for sale on both of those sites, by the way. And uh, Next Level Training, actually, I mean, even stuff as simple as a training knife that you can use. Uh, Next Level Training makes one for, you know, just, just whether you're doing BJJ or just other tactics or, or fighting training type stuff, you want to have a knife involved that's completely safe to work with. Uh, it's a cool, cool little tool. It's like 20 bucks uh, and it works great. So cool stuff from both those guys. Support them. You support us. Thank you very much. Let's get on to the podcast, Matthew. Let's do it. So did you watch the Shoot Ready Challenge? I did. I did. Good I did for you. my homework. I'm sure it was painful watching me no it's good it's good um you know i watched all the shot all the uh shooter ready challenge and guys have it good and i'm not joking around about it being brutal and stuff it's not um because you walk through you know the the drill you explain it and then you, you you break it down and show um what you know what fundamental are we working on and how can we better it and, and then you ex- you actually demonstrate it so it's it's a really good process and i think you did a good job cool cool appreciate that so this month is technically titled the random reload which is actually a drill that's built into the laser x software and uh, what this is is uh, basically two or three targets that you're going to put two shots on each target so kind of like a el presidente type sort of drill, right? Uh, although you're not doing the two, two, two reload and then six more, uh, you're just doing two, two, and two. And the, here's the powerful thing about this kind of software is that it, it allows you to do certain things in a dry fire environment that are very difficult to simulate in a dry fire environment. And by that, I mean, how do you know when you're going to do a reload? Like if you're trying to do somewhat realistic practice, uh, I don't know if that's the most important thing in the world to do, but it's kind of cool that you can at least simulate it to a degree without a very fancy, expensive $40,000 simulator, right? Because there are these real big, fancy simulators where you can run through these different drills or scenarios and things, and and you can build into that kind of stuff, you know, the idea that, well, I got to shoot these targets or shoot this these threats or whatever, and, and then I got to perform a reload at some point or whatever, right? Uh, but the LaserX or Laser App software can be programmed. Uh, in this case, in the random reload drill, it will pick... I, I don't know the exact parameters. I don't think I've had it 
tell me I needed to reload bef- uh, before two shots were fired. So meaning I, I think I always ended up getting at least two shots fired. Uh, and then it would uh, go up to the, you know, five, between shots five and six. So somewhere randomly between shot two and shot six, you get kind of a, this random reload. And what and the software just tells you, reload, All right? And so you're going along, one, two, one, two, one, reload. And you do a reload, and then you fire that six shot. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of the random reload drill. So just kind of one, it just kind of keeps the cognitive processes going as you're shooting that drill. Cause when you're, especially when you're doing dry fire, it can be really easy to get sucked into the, just the, I'm just, you know, doing the same thing again and again and again and again and again. But in this case, you, you can't just get complacent in that routine of things. You got to pay attention, listen for that cue and then perform that action and then get back to the shooting with acceptable hits on target, right? Of course, that's the powerful thing of the Laser X software is that it sees and recognizes and picks up where those hits are. And uh, so you get some some feedback on that as well. So, and I'm both an advocate for dry fire practice without any sort of laser, you know, device, uh, you know, just like actually just doing dry fire with your gun, whether that's your carry gun or a competition gun or whatever, right? But I'm also an advocate for using some of these these programs and these other tools like Assert Pistol and Laser X or Laser App software. You just yeah. go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to interject and I say like, because I know some people will be thinking, you know, well, am I building training scars if I'm using this generic, you know, Glock ish style pistol for my laser training. Right. And then, but I shoot a 320 and the, you know, the grip angle is all different. So I'm just not even going to do it. Um, of course, I mean, you can, uh, next level training has 320 grips and stuff like that, but peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that all, but that all aside, um, I think, you know, to put those, those fears kind of to the side and say, you, you, I, I don't think that you're going to be doing any permanent damage by using a laser training pistol that is not your exact w- would it be better sure and are there options for that you know you can get um uh the laser inserts and things like that and all kinds of stuff but i don't, I, I would i i, I don't want to say it's an excuse but it's certainly um not as big of a of a issue as some people make it out to be in my opinion that's just my assessment sure i don't nec- i don't disagree because here's the thing I still have the two original, I have two of them, two original Glock, you know, style. The, that's, the, that's the original uh, uh, cert pistol. I've got two of them that I've owned for four, at least four years, maybe even five. It's been a while. I was, a, I was an early adopter with those. You know, they, they came out. At the very least, I saw them as a valuable safe training aid for like a classroom or a, an instruction in type environment when I wanted to do demonstrations with something that was, you know, you, you didn't have to worry about, you know, a lot of guys were using blue guns or, 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 or red guns or whatever, you know, to do that kind of thing. But to actually have something that was, uh, that actually had a trigger that functioned, you know, I enjoyed having that for a, for a teaching prop. Uh, and that was probably one of the, actually the first, real motivations for wanting to have one. Uh, but I got, I've got two of them and I've used them a bunch just for simple dry fire stuff. And I've never really felt disadvantaged using the full Glock 17 sized model. And then like 
going over and shooting my other gun. I mean, there is definitely something to be said about getting dry fire practice in with your your platform, okay? And it shouldn't be neglected. But I also see there's opportunities to, because of what something like a cert pistol allows you to do, even if it doesn't match your platform perfectly, I still think there's value there in certain specific contexts and situations where I think it's highly recommended. Now, here's the thing. These kind of things are immensely valuable. These kind of tools, I think, for newer shooters, especially. All right. As I have gotten more and more, you know, down the path that I am on to pistol mastery, if you will, which I've not mastered it yet. I'm pretty good, but you know, there's still stuff that I'm working on and, and figuring out. Uh, maybe if I achieve that elusive grandmaster status in USPSA, maybe, maybe then I'll be like, okay, I've, I've kind of mastered the gun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel when I get to that point. I, the thing is, I know that you're never done learning, right? But with these kind of training tools, I'm talking about the software and the hardware tools, cert pistols, laser app, software, et cetera. Uh, I will say that five years ago, that cert pistol got me into the routine of doing dry fire very regularly. And that to me was like the huge power to a tool like that because I was more casual in my dry fire practice at the time, but because I had this interesting, cool little toy that I could draw from a holster and put laser hits on a target or something, uh, it, it got me to doing those, that dry, those dry fire reps and those reps added up and were a part of my process to getting to where I am now as a shooter. Now where I am, it's a little bit less valuable and also the way I do dry fire is is different, but I'm still a huge I'm I'm the biggest advocate because I think that for many of you viewing or or, or listening, we'll find much value in what we're talking about here today. All right, so let's get back to the reloads thing, though, Matthew. Uh, so first let's let's talk about context, uh, which is kind of a common thing we do in our in our on our show. Right, we're talking about something. We're talking about a tactic or a technique. Well, we want to establish the context behind that. So, reloading a pistol, Matthew. I mean, let, let's establish some context. What do you think? Sure. So, let's uh, put away the the competitive side because obviously there's going to be drills that you're running for some sort of competition that require a reload. Um, so, in those cases, obviously re- being able to reload quickly is great. Um, the, the kickback or the, the pushback I hear mostly from uh, defensive minded shooters is, well, what are the probabilities of me reloading? If I need, you know, some, if I need a reload, then, you know, this is a really bad fight and I need to, I need to run or I'm not carrying extra ammo because if I need more than X number of shots, then, you know, I'm not getting into a gun battle, a sustained gun battle. So what do I, so there's arguments against, you know, even practicing a reload. And I think you would, you agree. And probably many of the listeners and viewers would probably agree that statistically speaking, the chances of you being in a defensive shooting as a, as a citizen um, and needing to reload your firearm is probably 
a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so statistically, it, it still can happen. Um, but I think that we should spend our the bulk of our training on the majority of instances, you know, those that context. And then on the outlier, you know, how many, how often are you going to shoot maybe one handed or off handed or whatever, you know, uh, opposite handed. So it's not that we don't practice these things at all because statistically they're so small, but we just don't practice them as much as, you know, running uh, the, the, the fundamentals that are required to shoot a good build drill or a good draw or whatever it might be. So I think there's importance of practicing it, but you shouldn't spend 50% of your time practicing reloads when your presentation or your draw stroke is abysmal or not up. To Abs- you're exactly right on with that. Uh, I mean, the reality is out of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, I mean, like on a yearly basis, we've talked about this and actually Scott Jedlinski, speaking of the classes in over the weekend, kind of brought up some of the, these type of statistical numbers um, relating to reloads. But I remember we talked about an episode once where, you know, there's 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 some numbers out there that seems to suggest that on on the average o- over the course of a year, anywhere between 500,000 to upwards of 2 million, you know, just normal civilian de- defenders, right? You know, using a gun like there's that that is basically somewhere between a half million and two million DGUs. Uh, in in our country every year, which which is a crap ton, right? And that's a big, big, big window. There's a you know, two million is four times the number of half a million. Uh, I think the number, the true number, is somewhere in the middle. I've stated I've stated that before. Uh, I think there's also some evidence to support that. But uh, out of that, over the course of a year it's really challenging to find a single incident where a reload was a deciding factor in one of those civilian gunfights. Not to say it doesn't happen. And also I'll say this much too. I also think that there's some, I don't bias isn't the right word, but it's just a factor in why we might have, why we might not see that many civilian gunfight reloads is Perhaps because there's not that many civilians that maybe are carrying a spare mag, right? So that there just isn't an option to do so. Mm-hmm. There's also going to be times where stuff just isn't reported, where maybe a reload could have been a deciding factor in a civilian or citizen gunfight, but they got shot and killed, and the investigation, you know, like that, just that sort of thing, just never gets like there's there's not a a central repository for this kind of stuff where police agencies are investigating a shooting and they, and they're going, well, that's interesting. This guy died. The good guy died. Bad guy lived. He's in the hospital. Good guy died, but he wouldn't have died if he had a reloader or could have done it. You know, like that's not being recorded anywhere. Like anecdotally that comes up. And if we're, if it's caught on, video then okay awesome but then how many civilian defensive encounters like that do we actually even get on on video not as many as we get police involved uh shootings so uh my point is is that we don't really know the true metric 
where reloads would be, would be applicable for a civilian defender. But uh, but we but either regardless of all of that, I think the number would be very small. Now, I'm of the opinion like the 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 probability of me being in a gunfight and needing to use a gun is very small already. So clearly, I am already biased in the thinking of. And it's all about that risk management. It's, for me, it's a very small thing to carry a gun all the time uh, for that peace of mind that, yeah, it's a small chance that I need it, but in the event that I need it, I really need it. The reload's kind of a similar thing. Small chance I need a spare mag and to be able to perform a reload on the clock, under pressure, in a gunfight. But in the event that I needed to do so, I really probably going to need it. Uh, and so for me, it just is like I carry a spare mag, uh, not 100% of the time, but probably 98% of the time. And, and I practice it. I don't think it's a bad thing to practice as long as it's not getting in the way of a shooter doing those other things they really need to focus on first. Like you said, specifically, if your draw or presentation sucks, then you have no business bothering on the reloads because you need to fix that. Because if you can't get the gun out and put it into the fight in the first place, fight's over and you just lost. So how fast you reload is irrelevant at that point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree totally. Um, it, 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 and here's the thing. Um, it's all about prioritization of your time, right? Like we go to the range and we only have a certain amount of time or you go to a class and you only have a certain amount of time with students or with the instructor. And so um, what are, what are we practicing and what are we making sure the fundamentals are down? I, I, I would be willing to bet and correct me if you think that this isn't uh, you know, what your experience is, but I would take somebody who's never done reloads um, but can handle the firearm really well, has good presentation, draw the first shot at really good times, everything safety, you know, on, on, on point um, and say, okay, this is how I want you to do real. I want you to, you know, at this point, I want you to start drawing the magazine. I, I want you to drop out the mag. And I would bet that person after a few repetitions are doing pretty solid reloads. But I bet if you took somebody who got all the basics and said, hey, I just want you to get the basics down. I just want you to be able to draw the gun and put a couple shots and their draw is kind of shaky and blah, blah, blah. And then we said, okay, good there. And now let's add in a draw. And I bet you overall their fundamentals start crumbling because the basics aren't there. So now the basics start crumbling, which makes adding additional maneuvering and things even harder. And I think that their performance would go down very quickly. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, it's less about the actual speed that someone can do a reload. You know, like like the golden number that a competition shooter is looking for is about a second, right? Uh, which is which is cooking, brother. I mean, like if you could do a reload in a second or less, oh man, you know that's that's spicy. Uh, that's not as relevant as it is. I think shooters at least learning good technique and being reasonably efficient with it. Again, we have to keep in mind the context that it's pretty unlikely we need to be you know, that concerned with it in the first place. Uh, but let's know how to do it reasonably well, right? Let's kind of get the, the 80-20 accomplished with reloads, which is, you know, e eking out that last 
20, 10% of efficiency and speed on a reload. Again, if you're a competitive shooter or if you're a cop, probably not a bad idea. At least getting to about 90% of, you know, 100% competency, if you will, with with performing reload in the case of a a police officer. Because we see gobs more examples of cops doing reloads uh, in the course of a fight. Um, Quite often, I've seen actually more recently some tactical reloads, Matthew, where Mm -hmm. they get done addressing the threat. And immediately proceed, you know, when they're like, okay, good. He's down. He's done. Tack reload, right? Good move. Very, very, very smart idea. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of like the, you know, this is a phrase you, you hear uttered in, in various classes uh, all over the place that, you know, do a reload when you, when you want to, not when you have to, right? Right. And that's the idea of a tactical reload. But anyway, so, um, but let's talk real quick. Again, keep keep in mind that the inspiration of the topic today is is this month's Shooter Ready Challenge, which is the random reload drill in the Laser X software. Um, so let's just kind of talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, the the actual performance of a reload. Now, before I get into that, though, good question here, a good comment, actually, from Andrew I wanted to address real quick. He actually asked first if we were talking about reloading revolvers. No, we're not really, uh, although you could. Okay, so by the way, you could do the same same drill in the LaserX software with a, re- with a revolver, all right? A little bit more challenging to do. You you kind of have to more s- simulate that a little bit. Uh, chances are, if you're using a revolver with laser X, then you've got five or six of the laser cartridges that fit in your revolver cylinder and dumping those out and having five or six more of those, which cost 50 to a hundred dollars a piece, <laughs> uh, probably not practical. Right. Um, but also again, you know, 90 plus percent of concealed carriers are not carrying wheel guns these days uh, where it's at is semi-autos. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if you are carrying a wheel gun, and you've only got five rounds. Tell you what, five rounds, how fast does that go in a gunfight, Matthew? Oh, man. I mean, the average, right? Like if we just look at averages, three rounds are fired within three seconds. So if you have any incident that happens that takes more than three seconds, the, the likelihood of you firing more than three rounds, I, I would say, is pretty high. And, I mean, time after time we watch videos and th- three shots, it might stop somebody, it might not. But we certainly look at, you know, what's driving a lot of the people uh, right now to start training. And we look at riots. We look at multiple attackers from all all different angles. And you get into a crowd, a five-shot revolver is going to stop somebody. Sure, it might stop one person. But when you have 70 people or 80 people all in that one little area and multiple people that want to do you harm, um, maybe five shots goes pretty quick. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'll tell you what, too, the, the age old three rounds, three seconds, three yards thing. I think that's, uh, and I'm hearing rumblings uh, that uh, the FBI will be releasing some statistics that will kind of, that'll change that, that mm. picture. Okay. Cause I don't think, I do think there's still a lot of encounters that happen at three yards, but I think the average is going to be more like five. Um, just, just, and this is also just me, like anecdotally thinking and and and, and kind of running through my head all of the different things that I've read and seen on video and things in recent years. Um, I think that uh, 
And I think that more more than three rounds is probably likely to be the average. Uh, hard to say exactly where that would land, but uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. We we know for a fact that there's plenty of incidents where one or two shots is all that's fired and, and situations are resolved. Uh, but we also know there are some where a bunch are fired. I mean, let's go back and look at the BJ Baldwin shooting right. in Vegas. Uh, what, month, a month and a half ago now? I mean... He fired 10 rounds in a couple of seconds, right? And the report is, is that all 10 rounds hit. That's 10 rounds fired. One One target. Yeah. And that's better than most people could ever even hope for from a performance uh, standard. That's better than most police shootings uh, are by a long shot. Okay. So you fire 10 rounds and they all connect and that that's your gunfight. Well, you're that J frame revolver guy. Um, yeah, you, your five rounds didn't cut it, bro. And, uh, how's that reload? Oh, it took you, took you four seconds to reload. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Hmm. That might've been a problem. Right, because the five rounds didn't get it done, so your your threat was still a threat, right? Uh, point is, is that I, I think we are in a in a day and age. Um, I think that with time and with technology, the statistics change. I think once upon a time you had more bad guys carrying five shot revolvers or similar tools, and so meeting that with a five shot revolver was no biggie, but now you got a lot of gangbangers out there and dudes carrying Glock 19s, Glock 17s, including ones with 33 round mags, you know, extendo mags on them. So, uh, the, the times have changed from 20, 30 years ago for sure. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think that dictates that, our response may be different than what it was 20 to 30. Actually, I know for a fact it's different than 20 and 30 years ago. So uh, I, I love that BJ Baldwin incident because it, it really, again, it, 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 it's not, it's not that it's the epitome and, or that it's this even, it doesn't even fit the stereotype, if you will, of, of most average citizen def- defense, you know, s- stories. Uh as far as, you know, the 10 rounds fire, the fact that it actually started at, I think, about 15 yards-ish when he started to shoot, um, those are all probably pretty non-typical. But it's an example of what could happen, and just about anybody could have been the one in that In-N-Out Burger parking lot that night and randomly selected for that particular crime and needed 10 rounds, effective rounds, on target to get the job done. And you're carrying, you know, your your Glock 43 with six plus one or seven plus one. If you got a little extendo on the, because the factory mag is six rounds, bro. It's not much, right? Mm. See where I'm getting with this? All right. So, point is, reloads not the biggest factor, not the biggest concern, but still a relevant concern. Sure. So, as as we you know we've 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 pretty well established the context. Hopefully people understand that. Um, let's talk about the actual act of doing a reload. I want to hear you describe, uh, walk us through performing a 
you know, a nice, clean, efficient reload. Yeah. So, well, first we, we talked about tactical reloads. I guess we could differentiate between doing a tactical reload when the, maybe the slide is forward, the gun is in battery, right? Um, you have a round in the chamber possibly, maybe, I mean, I, I guess you could possibly perform somewhat of a tactical reload, which what would look like a tactical reload if let's say you ride the, the slides up and the slide fails to lock to the rear and it goes forward and you have an empty gun. So I guess there there would be a little bit of difference, but it would kind of look the same up into a certain point. Um, But let's say uh, like you mentioned, uh, you put the bad guy down, uh, you shot several rounds, you want to put a a fresh magazine in there. Um, So it it would depend if you have a, a a magazine, obviously you're going to, you're going to perform the reload. I think uh, Andrew makes a good point and says, um, if he, he, if he needs to make a reload, he's or perform a reload, he's going to move to cover. I think that's a wise first kind of thought is, uh, if, if you can, if you have that ability, um, probably don't want to do a re- reload in the middle of an open area. Um, I think that's the right mindset to have. So if you can move to cover, do your reloads behind cover, if you have the ability to, but maybe you don't, maybe, you know, you're in the middle of the parking lot and you're away from a vehicle and and you're in the middle of it. Right. And so you don't have any cover. Maybe you can get to it. Maybe yeah. you can't. You, you, there's no guarantee you're going to find that as an option. Yeah. And not exactly. only that, like you, I want to be shooting from cover. If there's cover, I want to be shooting from cover too. Right. Right. Not just that, Hey, if I, as long as I got ammo on my gun, it's okay for me to stand out here in the open. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I need to reload, like then's the time to move. No, no, no. The time to move to cover is as soon as you possibly can, assuming it's available to you. I mean, shoot your way to cover uh, or move quickly to cover and then shoot. It's interesting, you know, the BJ Baldwin case, he talked about uh, actually moving. He, he began, I think, his steps towards cover as he was drawing and also began firing too. So he had the right idea in that instance, Hey, I have this big garbage can thing, you know, like threat. Okay. It's go time. Move towards garbage can draw, start putting rounds on target. Uh, but I think a lot of his rounds were fired from cover. There you go. Right. And you're right. Yeah. If if you have that option to reload from cover. Yeah, of course. Cover is always our friend, but it's not always available. Yep. Very well put. Yeah. So, okay. So let's say, uh, you know, there's a kind of a question, do I remove the magazine first or do I start drawing my magazine? Um, I, I think, I think we're, if we go down that road, we kind of are are now analyzing it a little too much because I think there may be an instant, if you have the slide locked to the rear and that, you know, that magazine is empty. I think you want to get that out of the, out of the gun sooner than later. If you have, let's say you're stuck in the middle of cover and, um, or you're stuck in the middle of an open area and you're moving to cover, um, but you're not actually being shot at um, and you want to retain that magazine, then you probably want to draw your magazine first. And then, you know, a- as you're drawing it and, and release the magazine a little, maybe secondary, um, because I want to make sure I still have rounds in the gun. I may need me may, may need to use the gun. Um, so whether you remove the magazine first or, um, drop the magazine that's in your gun first. It's kind of situationally dependent. I think a little bit, um, at least in my mind, I don't know how you feel about that, Riley. 
Okay, so let's be clear. All right, so slide lock reload versus attack reload, right? Sure, sure. Um, and by the way, for the record, the random reload drill that we do in Shooter Ready Challenge is really more of just a speed reload. Mm -hmm. uh, and my approach there is that we're just practicing the idea of getting magazine from pouch, wherever it is, pocket, to gun efficiently. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, because let's not think of these things as, well, there's, there's combat reload or emergency reload. And then there's tactical reload. Right. Oh, and then there's speed reload, which is really a form of a tactical reload, just minus retention is, you know, by technical definition. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's not think of those as like three silos and like these are three different skills that uh, you know, we have to practice this one, and then we need to practice this one, and we need to practice this one or whatever, right? Um Really, I think of it more as there are parts and pieces to all those. And the one thing that is absolutely common amongst all types of reloads is getting magazine from pouch to gun. Mm -hmm. And that's the most challenging part of the whole reload. That's the part that requires the most practice and the most uh, myelination for that process. Because that's what people mostly screw up is getting <laughs> magazine and then they get it to the gun like, ah, you know, right. and, and it starts looking like trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole, uh, <laughs> you know, because you're just all jumbled up as you're trying to do that. Right. So, so that, that's, that's one skill as it relates to reload is getting mag to gun. And then everything else is like its own, you know, then it's like, okay, another thing to practice is hitting that mag release and doing it consistently and reliably. So, you know, you get a positive extraction on the magazine that's in the gun. Um, what else? Rebuilding your grip after you've completed a reload, right? And getting back on target. That, that'd be another thing, you know? So we can actually break these all down into micro drills and approach all of these things in that manner uh, as it relates to all of these reloads. All right, back yeah. to the different type of reloads. And let, go ahead. And I know you kind of were breaking in there a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, audio was kind of cutting off, but um, for for me. But um, what I was I was just going to add in there is you talked about like the the whole round peg and squ or square peg and round hole type thing. Um, I think there's some people that are really focused on on keeping your eye on threat focused, right? Mm. And so never look at never look at anything except the threat, and even while you're reloading. And so I think. Um, I, I had a little bit of this a uh, long time ago. I s sort of kind of changed my my idea about it, and, and I'm not I'm less um, uh, worried about where your eyes go. Like if you glance down at the magwell, as you know, for a second to make sure that that initial insertion goes goes well, because I think that's the point in that you know. Uh, kind of derails a lot. And once that happens, if you, you, if you're not looking, you start jamming all different ways. And then finally you look down, you get it. And then you're back in. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just took that quick little glance, it's not like you're down here, right? You keep it up uh, mm -hmm. kind of like gun uh, threat eyes, kind of all in that same plane. We're not yep. doing our reload down here, but we're not so focused on the target or on the threat that we never even glance with our eyes uh, to the to the magwell. I, I know that took me a little time uh, to try to to work on, but uh, I think that that's probably a quicker overall. Um, but you know, I, I guess maybe if you're a high level shooter that shoots just a ton and and you practice reloads, maybe the 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 importance of taking that look is a little bit less because 
maybe you're so your myelinization is so you know in tune but i think high level shooters probably uh, if you talk to them would say i do uh, look they're just eyes are going quicker everything happens a little bit quicker i don't know of a high level competition shooter that doesn't look mm, yeah at their magwell as the magazine's going up and in and, and in mm, right yeah uh, I don't know of a single one that does their reloads not looking. Okay, so I think that tells you something. Now, I could be wrong in that, and there could be some some out there that I don't know, but kind of my like guilty pleasure sort of thing recently, as I've been getting more and more heavy into USPSA shooting, is as I'm like laying in bed or, or, or something, you're just getting ready to fall asleep or just in my spare time. I watch a crap ton of pros shooting USPSA stages and watch like analyzing very carefully what they're doing, um, including reloads. All right. So I think I'm pretty well dialed in on, on what they're doing on some of that stuff and they're looking. All right. Here's the thing. If your gun runs out of ammo, you're, you have one single priority in that moment. You can do nothing more, at least as it relates to the gun in that moment, until you get it resupplied with ammo. Right. Right. Now, of course, you could go, well, crap, this isn't working or crap, I don't have more ammo. And so now I got to do something else. Turn around and run away, you know, try to run to a position of safety, uh, decide to close the gap on the on the attacker and beat them to death with your gun. <laughs> You know, like, you know, something along those lines, whatever. Right. But in that moment that you need to actually, if assuming you need to perform a reload, then your number one goal is to get ammo in the gun. And everything should support that action at that moment. Because every split of a second that it takes, you know, that longer that it takes you to get that gun back into the fight is time that you don't have potentially right so the goal is to get ammo back in the gun there's a lot of thought a lot of people to talk about how you know and the reasons why the eye should remain on the thread as they're doing this uh i have seen very few shooters that actually legitimately do that meaning I stay focused on threat as they are doing that reload and actually do it successfully, consistently, and quickly. Most of the time, people that say that's what, they, what they're going to do, their eyes stay up there on that threat and they go, uh, 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 just like you kind of described a minute ago, mm-hmm. right? Or it's just not that fast or that efficient. Maybe it actually is somewhat smooth, like they, they don't sit there and you know, jerk around with the magazine trying to get into the gun, but, um, but it's, 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 I've just very rarely seen a no look reload be faster or more efficient than where you just take a quick glance down. And I'll tell you what, that glance down only has to last about a quarter to a third of a second. Mm-hmm. That's not very much time. All right. And that taking your eyes off the target for that small fraction of, of time will save big chunks of time. You see, I think it's a wise investment to just go, yeah. look, boom, in, and you're back up and going again. So, uh, I, I, 
at one time. And this is what I was taught in our law enforcement, you know, in, in the academy, in the shooting portion was eyes on threat, guys. You know, you got to eyes on threat, eyes on threat. You should be able, you know, if you're truly proficient, you should be able to reload without looking. Here's yep. the beautiful thing about practicing the quick glance as you perform a reload. It helps build myelination. Better, probably. Yeah, well. for, oh, yeah. And if for some reason in a mo- in that moment and your brain, for whatever reason, tells you, like, no, must keep eyes on threat as you're doing a reload, you're probably going to be more efficient and faster doing that in that moment without looking because you spent all these previous reps looking and you develop that amazing myelination to, to accomplish that task in that moment. So um, anyway, the, I'm glad you kind of brought that up, by the way, because it, it is kind of a controversial topic at times. I really don't understand why it is so con- controversial. And by the way, you won't hurt my feelings if you tell me, oh, I practice no look reloads. Okay, cool. Guess what? I'll probably be faster than you every time. <laughs> well, so what? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to bring up another controversial topic when it comes to reload. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> slide stop or slide release, whatever you want to call it, or hand over, rack the slide. Okay. I know like mm. we have a camp on either side and everybody will be throwing rocks at yep. one another or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, want- it's in the same boat as what we just yeah. talked about. Totally. Totally. You yeah, want my yeah. opinion or you want to give your fire or somebody let's, you let's hear you lay it out in this you know comments let's hear you lay it out there oh no my, my okay and just as is the same way that you kind of uh explained through the police academy how you learn a certain skill right that's kind of how you how, how you practice it and through your mind but um and i i bet there's a lot of law enforcement military people um that learned you know you use the slide stop uh, or you use the overhand uh, slide, grab the slide and release it, right? Because of uh, the arguments are, you know, you have the uh, lack of fine motor skills in a gunfight because of physiological effects of stress and blah, 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 this and that. And it's if your hands are injured and they're bloody or sweaty or whatever, you can reach that. Uh, all, all true things physiologically and, and everything like that. And it's probably um, more, um, well, actually, there's probably three. There's over the top and then there's kind of the slingshot, but I don't want to get too, too far into the weeds, but, um, well, okay, let's put, let's, let's keep it simple and let's just keep it down. Who cares what technique you use for actually grasping the slide? Let's just say the slide stop, you know, technique versus work on the slide. Yeah. And then there's people that use the slide stop and they're like, I've been using the slide stop forever. Uh, it, works really fast and quick for me. My thumb, you know, I'm, I'm used to it. I have a ex- little extended slides up even maybe. Um, and, and I don't have any problems sending the slide forward. I think there are some guns that using the slide stop is nearly impossible for most people because the amount of pressure, you know, you got to press down or just an MNP. Yeah. The, I mean, and it's only a little flush, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't extend out. So I think there's certain, guns that are more prone to making it difficult to use a slide stop. But I think, you know, if you look at gun, like your SIG or, or a Glock or something like that, they're pretty simple. I mean, they're pretty easy. Um, and I would say for me, uh, I, I still use grasping the slide. I kind of rotate it and kind of do a, a thing like this, which I, I'm trying to try different methods and that just naturally 
like I said, I learned it that way and it's hard for me to break that habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and my thumbs, my hands, um, I might've mentioned this once or twice. My, my hands aren't huge. I don't have real long thumbs and I can't really reach the slide stop as easily. And so for me, I have to break, I can, I can reach the mag, mag release a little easier than the slide stop. So I have to really break my, my grip to hit the slide stop. So for me, it's not so much like, you know, fine motor skills and you're never going to be able to press this little button because you're squeezing the trigger, right? Like that's a fine motor skill as well. Yep. Um, and so it's not so much that it's just my physiology of my hand size and stuff. And the way I learned it mm-hmm. naturally, I just want to do that. So for me, I have to consciously kind of do it a different way. Um, so it slows me down a bit. So that's me. Yep. yep. Uh, good stuff, bro. Uh, so again, yeah, it's kind of like the whole, the other thing we were just talking about, right? You know, the look or no look reload. Um, there's what is faster and more efficient, and there's what is slower and less efficient. And that's better. That's the best way to look at it, to be honest with you, uh, because it, it's it's far better to. Okay, so the whole idea of well, using my overhand technique to work the slide to complete the reload is well, that you know, that's less of a small or a fine motor skill thing, and it's more sure. Um, okay, that's still kind of subjective, all right. But a better metric is what's faster and efficient, and slower and less efficient, all right. And pretty much every time working the slide. Re- you know, to, to reload the gun is slower and less efficient. Mm-hmm. It, is. it requires more movement. There's more that's got to go on. You, you break your grip more, meaning that as you work that slide, your hands separate. You got to bring it back together again. So you're, you're losing time and efficiency in doing that. Okay. L- let's talk about the fine motor skill thing. That's exactly the reason I was given in my law enforcement training was this is what we do, gentlemen, because this is a fine motor skill. <laughs> And, you know, at the time I was young and impressionable and like, okay, yep. All right. Makes sense. Take you at your word. You're, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the trainer. You have more experience than me. You've been on the streets, all that stuff. Okay. I'm going to listen to you, but guess what? This guy here is a fine motor skill. You know, the thing that actuates your trigger, this thing here to actuate the magazine release. That's a bit ironic, right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I have to do a fine motor skill to actuate the mag release. And then you're telling me that I can't use the slide stop. That is like the same thing. It's, it's even a similar size button on a lot of guns. You know what I mean? A little different, mo- you know, movement or motion, but, but it's basically the, it's, it's basically the same thing. Now I will say uh, shooting in Iowa over the weekend, I had a couple of reloads. I did. I, I was, uh, I've gotten to where I use the slide stop. And I, I think I had two times that my thumb slipped off of it as I was trying to do it. Oh, I can hear them coming out of the wor- woodworks now, Matthew. <laughs> Riley, you see? You know, that's why you should do overhand. Hmm. Guess what? I've missed overhand or slingshotting a slide before, too. Sure. Okay. So the important thing is how you fix or adapt to that failure in that moment. Now, for me, I'll, I'll tell you a couple things I learned. Uh, number one, again, I hate humidity. I, I haven't had that problem in Colorado here where it's dry. And this is where I spend the bulk of my time. So this is what I, that's my, you know. all right. So 
don't use a slide stop if you live in a humidity, you know, high humidity area. Well, you guys are used to it. For me, it would take me some time. I would, I would, I would adapt and I would overcome if I, <laughs> if I lived in that high humidity environment for a time, because you get used to it and you figure out like, for me, I was a little bit lax on the pressure probably applied to the slide stop because I don't have to have as secure, you know, pressure on it. Like you do when you're in Iowa. 93% humidity on Saturday. Um, you know, and the other thing I learned is that the slide stop, I don't, I was actually, I found it remarkable. I had never noticed this. The slide stop on my X compact carry model is slightly different than the one on my X five. The X five, I was playing around with this actually. And I had my X five with me. I was doing this in the hotel room. I'm like, man, my thumb slipped off that today. And I start looking at them. They're a little bit different. And I didn't have the problem with the X5 as I was practicing. Um, but I could see yeah, it. That's- yeah. So so I'm actually going to swap over. Uh, I'm going to order the, I think this is the newer style mags or uh, slide stop on the X5 that I have here compared to the one that I have on the on my X. I say it's X compact. The X compact is pretty new gun, but. This is actually an older 320 sitting in an X-Compact grip module. So I have a little bit different slide stop. Anyway, all right. So um, do what you want to do. I could tell you which one's faster and more efficient. All right. Take a guess. Let's move on. We haven't actually talked about the actual act of reloading a pistol, Matthew. We, we, we've, we've touched on different things, but we, let, let's, let's back up. Now, I cover this in pretty decent detail in the Shooter Ready Challenge video. Um, I don't say everything I could say in that video. I watched it again. I'm like, ah, I could have done that a little differently, but it is what it is. We filmed it. Uh, the point is I want you to do the drill. All right. And I give you some tips and, and some ideas and suggestions and techniques in that video. And, uh, you'd be, you do well to follow them, but basically this is my process. Okay. At the time that I needed to perform a reload, uh, and this is true, whether it is a tactical speed or emergency reload, the very first, First thing that happens is my support hand begins breaking away from the gun and my thumb goes to the mag release. I believe I want to get that mag release hit as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, I will address tactical reloads separately here in just a second, but I'm going to hit that mag release. And meanwhile, about the time that I have completed hitting the mag release and the magazine starts coming out of the gun, my hand is already to where my spare mag is. My spare, my support hand is already to where. So in that amount of time, from full firing grip to my hand reaching in my spare mag, the gun has rotated slightly in my hand. I break my grip a little bit because I have stubby fingers, thumbs, especially too. And so I get more sure purchase on that mag release when I break the grip slightly. And guys will tell you, don't do that. But I could tell you, Max Michelle does it. And you can go watch any of his videos on reloading. And he actually even talks about it in one or two of those videos. And you can do that and practice it. And it becomes just as fast and natural as anything. Now, arguably, it's more. there's more going on there and it's less efficient. But if that time it takes to break that grip and, and, and get the gun rotated back to where your grip should be. If that all occurs during this time that you have this other movement taking place, meaning support hand going down to belt, grabbing spare mag or pocket, and then coming back up, if that all happens in that space of time, 
no biggie. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't penalize you. It's, it's, it's that time is free. If you, whatever you can do in that time it takes to get the mag back up to the gun, it's, that's just free time. Um, now what one mistake I see sometimes happen is that shooters are too slow on just simply activating the mag release. And they get the spare mag up to the gun, and then also they're sort of like waiting. Oh, get the mag out. Oh, now I can get the mag in. That's inefficient. Okay. Mm. Um, so I'm hitting that mag release as soon as I can. Sp- support hands going to the mag. It's coming up. And as that hand is probably about halfway up from my belt to the mag well, my eyes go bloop down to the ma- to the mag well opening. Just a quick little glance down. You don't have to move your head and you're doing this all also, by the way, all up in your workspace, right? Meaning up in your, in front of your face, essentially, I'm not covering my target or my threat with my gun. That's kind of dumb. I think Um, it might be just slightly below of where it was when it was being fired, but the higher up it is without obscuring our target or whatever we're shooting, um, the, the more efficient it's going to be. Okay, because if I'm bringing the whole gun and stuff down or too far in, then it just has to go right back out to to get to where the the target is and where I was shooting. Right. So the less we move the gun from that firing position, the better in terms of efficiency. And uh, and so all this is happening in the split second. So, again, mag spare mags coming up. My eyes go to the mag. Well, I find it. And for me, I've discovered it's incredibly important to see the and to focus in that split second on that very specific opening. I need to see the opening. For instance, I've got a little grip module here. So I'm holding up to the camera. If I just see this from the side, that's not good enough because there's no depth there. I just see this object. And so I can put that magazine in front or behind uh, very, very easily. If I see that, meaning I see this slight, you know, I, I, it's just turned enough at an angle. I see the opening and my eyes focus on that opening. That's much more helpful. Here's the second thing. So this is a two part process as far as how we get things there efficiently and not fumble it. Number one, the eye finding the opening of the magwell. Number two, our body is an amazing instrument. Okay. We have proprioception. So, what did I do when I grabbed my magazine? Even if I couldn't grab it this way at the moment, I grabbed it from the pouch or the pocket. At some point, as it's coming free of that pouch or as it's coming out of the pocket or as I'm coming up, I want to, if possible, I'm going to grab my spare one out of my pouch here. I want to index my index finger across the front of the magazine because then it becomes a simple matter of I'm looking and finding that magwell opening. And all I got to do is also push. I just got to point my index finger to my pinky finger on my firing hand, right? Because my pinky finger and the index finger perfectly align. And it's very easy because we naturally have this ability. We can, through proprioception, just go bloop, bloop, bloop. I can touch my index finger to my pinky all day long and not look at it, right? So the beautiful thing is I have my eyes help me, but I also have proprioception helping me. Pinky or index finger to pinky, boom, and then it goes, right? Super slick, super smooth. And if you do it in that manner, you'll have 99.9% less fumbling than if you try something else. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, in other words, if you're bringing up the magazine and you're sort of like gripping it in a fist or you're holding it like this, you guess what? You don't have proper reception helping you. It's not as simple as putting index finger to pinky finger. 
right? Sure. If you're not seeing that magwell opening, then you're not getting that extra benefit of seeing the depth of things, seeing where that that hole is, the hole, you know, where the magazine was and where this one needs to go. And so, yeah, that's basically what what it what I'm looking for. Once we get to where pink index finger touches pinky, magazine goes in. As soon as I see that, eyes are coming back up to my target, finding my target. Okay. And by the way, in the next point two, point three, point four seconds, as I'm finishing this reload, if my target moved, I have time enough. As I'm finishing this, inserting the magazine and rotating the gun in the hands back to a firing grip to find, oh, in that 0.3 seconds that I glanced down on my magazine opening, magazine well opening, right? And then came back up and my target moved. Oh, he's over there. In that amount of time, I'm going to find him as I'm finishing the reload, getting the grip rebuilt and going back out to the target. Yeah, and the good thing is, is if you're, you know, we talk about uh, shooting multiple targets or moving targets and things like that, you're, you're bringing, your eyes are already going to go back to that threat, right? So you're bringing the gun up to your eyes, you're bringing the sights, you know, in front of your eyes rather than, you know, come, keeping everything together. So it's kind of all kind of builds together a little bit right there. That's right. Well, the gun's going to go to where the eyes go, right? And, and. Uh, our our eyes are such a powerful instrument, right? For the information in in the the yeah the information they bring in, right? And how that's fed to the brain, combined with proprioception and everything is so so powerful. You know, that's how we're able to shoot a gun in the first place, right? Because we look at something and the hands come up, just like when we point at something. We don't think about it. We look at something and we go, that, I want that. And the hand, the finger goes right to the thing that we're looking at. Well, the gun goes there. Yeah, there's got to be some refinement in the aiming. Uh, but, uh, of course, I learned in, in two days of red dot pistol course with uh, Jedi that uh, uh, it really works that way if you let it as far as, and that, that's the power of the red dot. You look at something and you go, boom, that, I want that. And with 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 a correct technique and with some practice, that dot just goes where the eye is, and bang, bang, bang. You know, the, it, it it works. So it's a powerful thing. So um, anyway, that's that's reload. I mean, we've kind of we've kind of gone all over the place, and there's been a lot of really good, important things I think we've discussed. Um, but hopefully, somewhere in the course of this, it's given you some food for thought. Uh, and that's my goal. Is you know bring you the best education that we can give you the info. All right. Your job is to take it and go, Hmm. Okay. This makes sense. Or this doesn't make sense. You know what? I think this other thing makes sense. Well, that's, that's on you. I can, we we can only lead the horse to water. Uh, It's up to you, whether you drink. All right. Uh, My, my, my goal and my, my personal training and also the, the classes that I attend for myself to become a better shooter is to hopefully, gain the best knowledge and information I can so that when I pass it on, it's the best info possible. Uh, and I'd like to believe, you know, that I, that I do a good job with that. Uh, but of course everyone else, you know, you've, you've got to be your own person. You got to decide for yourself whether it, it works for you or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys go do shoot ready challenge. Uh, 
practice this and I think it's, you know, it's a simple drill, but it's a good one and it can be done with uh, your live gun. Okay. Make sure it's safe. Uh, if you need to use a barrel block or whatever, but uh, you can, uh, all you got to do it, a lot of times for practice is I will just have my, my gun be empty, meaning no mag in it. Uh, and then I will just get the practice from grabbing the spare mag and bringing it up to the gun. Uh, then it's good to occasionally do the full reload where you're dumping the mag and then you're putting the fresh one in. Okay. But you can get a lot of reps really quickly. And reps is super important if you don't have to be constantly bothered with picking up magazines off the floor. See what I'm getting at? So it's, mm-hmm. good, it's a good idea to get a bunch of reps. You still want to hit the magazine release. You want to hit it firmly and securely just like you would have to to get a magazine to come out of the gun so do that correctly and properly but you can do a lot of reps very quickly when you're just going mag in right and then you're resetting and you're doing it again and you're resetting and you're doing it again okay and then periodically test yourself check yourself and make sure you do the full-fledged reload and you go am i actually properly hitting this mag release getting positive extraction all that okay cool sounds good um with a cert pistol i demonstrate this in the video oh real quick so like this drill require like a striker fired gun you would struggle with because this is a multi-shot drill and you don't have the time to go click cycle slide click cycle slide click you know you, you know what i mean so so you you either want a double action pistol like a 226 229 sb2022 a cz something like that with a laser cartridge in it so that the laser x software will work with it right but you can get that repeated strike of the uh because your, your hammer continually continually resets um so you either want a live pistol with double action trigger functionality and a laser cartridge and that's great because then you can use your actual gun your actual mag and you can get good practice that way or you can use a cert pistol and the way i set it up in the drill is i just have the cert pistol start out empty nothing in the mag or in the in the grip and then i'm just bringing up that cert pistol magazine which is weighted which is great because having that that weight is is definitely helpful when we're practicing reloads and I'm just bringing that mag up repeatedly and then resetting. All right. So that's how we do it in, in there. One last thing. I told you I was going to deal with uh, tactical reloads. I was going to f- wrap this up and give you your final words. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I said I was going to deal with tactical reloads separately. <laughs> I believe that doing a tactical reload where you pull the magazine out of the gun, stow it, grab your spare, bring it up, is the more efficient method. If you just look, and if you watch the IDPA shooters, that's what they do. Because it is. Because your support hand has to go down to the belt line anyway, and it has to come back up, right? Well, if you just have that one cycle, right, down up, which you can do by magazine out, stick it in pocket, grab spare, bring it up, that's more efficient than if you're going support hand off gun, support hand grab spare mag, support hand comes up, Spore hand exchange magazine in gun with one in hand and then has to go back down and stow magazine away and then bring the spore hand back up to the gun. You see, you just did twice the work with your support hand. Down, up, down, up. Makes right? a lot of sense. So so the technically fastest, most efficient method for tactical reload is just pull mag it out or magazine out of gun, stash, grab spare, put it in, and back up on target, right? The tactical answer. For some people, some context is what if, what if, what if, and there's so many what ifs. So we, we could play a what if game all day long with tactical gun stuff. But what if 
as I'm going down, I need to suddenly shoot again. And I only have one round in the gun in the chamber, right? And as soon as I fire that, I'm I'm done, right? Ah, I don't know. Figure that out for yourself. <laughs> okay. But ideally, I'm not doing a tactical reload until I'm like, threat's done. But I'm going to top off my gun because that's good. That's best practice. Right? Like you, you're, you're reasonably certain that I've got plenty of time to go mag down in pocket, grab spare back in gun, confirm. Yep. Threats down, not move. You know what I mean? Like you don't do that tactical reload until you're sure that, that you can get away with it. And that's the ideal. That's the idea of reloading when you want to, and not because you have to. And I would say that honestly, for most civilian based encounters and by the way whenever i see civilian i i mean people that are not military not leo even though leos are technically civilians i know that it's just a simpler term i sit, always saying citizen all the time just sounds weird to me well i mean but leos are still citizens right that's true too yeah so, exactly i mean yeah so anyway it's all semantics <laughs> um but uh uh tactical reloads for a civilian i you know it it's probably you're probably getting more juice per squeeze if you f- focus on shooting the gun, getting out of the holster efficiently, and knowing how to be very good at uh, emergency or combat reloads, right? Because if you have emergency reload, chances are it's not happening because you had an opportunity three rounds prior to do a tactical reload, but you didn't, and now you're really screwed, and so now you shoot right. No, chances are as a civilian, if you have to do a reload there was no other opportunity to reload. And so you got to, you got to do it. You got to do a combat reload. So be good with that. And again, if you're doing a tactical reload in a civilian based encounter, then you shouldn't be bothering with a tactical reload unless you're, unless you're dang near certain that you can go back to the holster because the situation's done and over with. Right. And so in that case, it doesn't really matter how long it takes you to do a tactical reload. And, and to to my point also about the most efficient tactical reload in the with the true essence of a tactical reload even if you're an LEO time really shouldn't matter too much with a tactical reload. So if you want to do your own thing, you know, again there's the way the IDPA guys do it because they're on the clock when they're doing the tactical reloads. Kind of silly, frankly. Um but uh that's IDPA. It's a game. So I've can't blabbed and blabbed and blabbed. So Matthew, final words. No, I can't add anything. It's uh, it's good. And w- whatever you guys, whatever method you use, just think about the method you use. Think about its pros, its cons. See, uh, d- d- the last thing I-, I would say is just don't get dogmatically locked into one thing because that's what you learned or that's what works for you. And you never try anything else. If you've tried everything else and you've given it your all to try it, right? Not just like, Oh, I'm going to do it once. Oh, I can't do it. So it sucks. Um, if you've tried it and it, it just doesn't work for you because the way your hands are, the type of gun, whatever, great, but make sure with all the techniques you're using, look at it as a, be it, have an open mind, uh, mm-hmm. have an open mind, try different things and see if really what you were taught really makes sense now and makes sense for you. So, Mm -hmm. yep. All righty. 
That sounds great to me. So let's wrap it up, guys. One last shout out to our sponsors, laserapp.com and nextleveltraining.com. Please support them. It supports us, allows us to do the podcast. A little bit of uh, exciting news, if you will. We will not have a live. Okay, so it might not be uh, exciting for some of you. but We will not have a live podcast show on Thursday because... I'm going to release the episode that I just recorded over the weekend with Scott Jedlinski. All right. And because I only have audio for that, uh, it, we're just going to, I don't know. If, if I get really fancy, maybe I'll put that audio with a photo, turn it into a video, and we'll air it on Facebook if you really, really want. But guys, go check out the podcast feed. Use your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, all kinds of podcast apps out there you'll find the concealed carry podcast you're going to want to listen to the episode that i did that i recorded with scott it's going to be packed with all kinds of great info especially about running or shooting a red dot and i know many of you are thinking about that these days so you're going to want to catch episode 428 all right yep. uh mark says can i act it out <laughs> that would be really entertaining but no uh, one last thing, though, before we let you go. This week's giveaway winner. Yeah. Matthew. Um, this week's, yeah, this week's giveaway winner, one free month of LASRX uh, software. Cool. So, so you can get free access. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, I've wanted to do this shooter ready challenge thing, but I didn't have laser X. Well, this is your chance. All right. So we're going to pick a winner right now for one month free. That's a $9.99 value, Matthew. Drum roll. Here it is. Here it is, Mr. Larry. You have won. Larry Boss. Vickers? <laughs> Boss Dog. It does. It starts with a K. His last name is Larry K. Larry Kickers. Kickers. <laughs> you have won. Congrats, Larry Kickers. <laughs> it's not Larry Kickers, but you get an email, Larry. Yeah, cool. Fun times. Uh, congrats, Larry. And uh, we'll contact you. You'll get your prize. Now, Matthew, what are we giving away next week? Next week. Oh, shoot. You know what? I just had it. Here we go. Uh, last Next week's giveaway is a digital download of our Door Ambush uh, course. Door Ambush. Great little. Uh, it's actually a, a, a section taken out of the full complete, complete home defense uh, training video. Uh, but that's a, that's a great one. Talking about how to how to manage the door contact type situation so good stuff all right so guys you get signed up for the you know it's free all you gotta do is sign up every week for the weekly giveaway concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize so one last time again congrats larry kickers <laughs> larry k and uh until next time folks a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.